Welcome to your success tonic. If you're ready to explore what it would mean to step into your boldest, most exciting vision of success, then you're in the right place. Welcome to your success tonic. I am so delighted to welcome Darren Ho onto the podcast today to talk to you about his new book and his approach to core values and leadership. Now, Darren empowers leaders to live without compromise by redeeming their core values. After 19 years in corporate leadership, he knows firsthand the daily pressures that leaders face. So Darren founded The Restored Leader, a leadership coaching firm, um, which he founded in 2017 to help clients redeem, protect, and live their core. As a result, leaders create authentic narratives, giving them confidence and joy in their leadership formation. Now, Darren is originally from the Los Angeles area, and he is a first-generation American citizen. He and his wife have three children and currently reside in Indianapolis. Before that, the Ho family lived in Asia and Europe for 11 years, and as a result, are passionate global citizens. So Darren earned his Bachelor of Science in Business from the University of Southern California. He received his executive and organizational coach education from the International Executive Coaching and Leadership and is a professional certified coach of the International Coach Federation. He's also graduating with a Master of Arts in Theology from Fuller Theological Seminary. Welcome, Darren. I am so glad you're here. Natalie, this is a wonderful opportunity to have a conversation with you about things we both love. So thanks for having me. It's such a pleasure to talk to you always. So for those of you listening who are curious about how to make a connection between your values and your ability to lead, this episode is for you. It's a topic that I am really passionate about, and it's a passion that Darren and I really share. So I invited Darren today because I've gotten so much out of our discussions around values. And, um, you know, I always say that knowing your values is intrinsically linked, not just to being a self-aware, grounded, happy leader, but also an awareness of how your values drive your thinking leads to having a much more positive impact on those around you. So, Darren, why don't you start us off by telling us a little bit about the inspiration for your book, Mm. um, The Restored Leader? Yeah. Well, uh, thank you, Natalie, for that wonderful intro. It's great to hear sometimes somebody else talk about you. Yes. I don't probably, uh, in my profession, I don't get that very often. Uh, I think any of the coaches out there, you don't necessarily get told these things that you have written about yourself. And um, we do this to really ensure that people know the roles that we play as coaches and leaders, and that when we come into them, that we can actually show up in the way that we write. I think that's the authenticity that Uh we will do. So I will do my best to show up in that way today. All of uh, which comes to our practice. We have a very clear mission at The Restored Leader where our entire mission is to help leaders become more authentic, confident and joyful in any context they lead, usually at work, at home, and in the community. And we serve leaders that often come in through work and they end up becoming better leaders at home and in community. But we do focus on leadership. 
So maybe I'll make some distinctions here, right? Authenticity is defined for us as harmony with what you believe. And to actually be a restored leader, you have had to notice that you might have had brokenness in what you believe is true and an unauthentic approach to living that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a really important thing for, that leaders in all levels begin to understand that there's a brokenness in what they believe they should be doing mm-hmm. and it's not showing up. Yeah. So authenticity is really important. The second piece is confidence, which is this tension between ambition, which you have to have as a founder, an entrepreneur, a venture leader, a leader. But you also have to have humility, that of which you know that you don't know everything and you can learn mm-hmm. from it. So what's that confidence? It's the tension between both of those. It's always there. Last but not least, the posture of joy is different than the feeling of happiness. Joy is everlasting over contextual situations. And so we want to help leaders do that. Um, Our approach, uh, which is what you were mentioning as the book, is actually what we started with the last four years. We're in our fifth year. And the book's called uh, Restored Leadership. It's really a guidebook. It's about 50 or so pages that really talk about the cornerstone of our approach. And it's a self-guided approach that we think really helps people begin the process of actualizing whether or not they're authentic, how confident they want to be, and where does joy fit in their leadership. I love that. And I especially love this importance that you place on joy, because that's also foundational to my approach and my vision for how we can really support our clients the best, you know, is to, is to have that bright vision that we're going towards always. Yeah, yeah. Now, I know that for many people listening, they might need a little help in understanding the concept of core values and determining core values. So what would you recommend would be a great starting place for that? Well, first of all, the idea of values and core values have been talked about and studied um, a lot. Yes. And I think drawing from all of these things to simplify them, we have to start with an inventory. And this is what I would oftentimes ask people to do uh, is to make a distinguishment between what is an interest and what is a passion. And the actual places that interest and passion start merging, there you'll find what you value. So again, some distinctions. An interest is something that could be seasonal, but that piques your curiosity. You have different interests when you are young to when you get older. And then you have this idea of a passion. A passion is what you think about all the time. And it's a good thing. It's something that you are not just curious and interested in, but you're actually thinking about it all the time. It could be an idea and it could be a venture. And let me just say that people oftentimes think about bad things, often disruptive things all the time too. That's not healthy. That's not good. That's a different conversation. But the things that you're passionate about, you want to pursue. And you might even want to arrange your time around those passions. Yeah. When I ask people that question, do you arrange your time around your passions? Most of the time people say, no, I can't. Mm -hmm. I can't. Yeah, I can't. I can't. I should. And those are words that really don't really exist with moving forward in a creative way. And so we want to help people unpack those. That's the first place to start. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And and there are these really important and super helpful distinctions to be made. So sometimes in, in books, you'll see these, these giant lists of core values, you know, pick your top five. That can be a helpful exercise, but 
there are, like you said, there are refinements in thinking and approach that can be much more enlightening towards the whole exercise. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And I think that, again, you know, back to your point, you know, when we're just looking at that random list, it's almost you know, dictated for you, you know, whoever wrote that list is giving you the inspiration for what the value should be. That's right. And and I feel like when we start to find those internally, they're so much more meaningful because then we're not choosing a word or words based on other people's priorities. And again, it aligns with this whole exercise of living with your purpose and your vision. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) I agree. I agree. And you're saying an important point about even just assessments in general. Um, as much as I have uh, experienced and, uh, and, and actually coached with a lot of different assessments, um, they do reveal a facet of the diamond that you are, mm-hmm. right? What's more revealing, I think, is making the effort to spend time on words that matter to you. And that's, that in itself is something I think in our culture today, we are not willing to invest in. Mm-hmm. And that is something that is very much what we believe is our journey in helping leaders is to slow it all down to the very bare foundational words that mean the most to you that should not be compromised. And if when you do compromise them, they affect you and everyone else that you lead. Mm -hmm. That is the definition that we put out as a core value. That if and when compromised, you feel like you have lost out, you feel like you're a failure and everyone else suffers. Mm -hmm. If they aren't core, then they're really nothing. Yeah. And that's a really important um, distinction to make in leadership, because if everything is OK, then nothing really is OK. Right. I'm also really fascinated by this concept you know, of restoring, redeeming core values that you talk about. Yeah. Um, and this idea that they've been lost or buried because of the pressures of life. Yeah. So speak about that a little bit, for, if you would, you know, just what what it, what that redemption of the, uh, sure. looks like when, when we go through that process. Yes. So uh, redemption is an economical term. It's actually a term that means to buy back something of value. And when you buy it back, you can actually place a different lens of value onto it. First of all, there's a decision that I'm going to take something back of value. And then the next one is, is what do I do with that to maybe even make it more valuable? It's the concept of buying back stock. Mm-hmm. Company issues, redeems by buying it back. Mm-hmm. But there's a meaning behind that. And there's a few ways to look at this. First of all, redemption can only happen when there's an intention to do something because something is not working or it's broken. Uh, we all in our lives resonate with redemptive stories. And movies that move us are about a second chance, an opportunity to transform, to become that of which we hoped we could, or at least take the first step to that. There's a lot of redemptive steps there that we have to make in our mind, in our body, in our soul. Hmm. Theologically, there is a major piece of redemption in how different religions see what is meaningful, what is now and what is in the afterlife and so forth. So it's an important term, but you can't redeem something if you don't think anything's broken. Absolutely. Yeah. Now the process of redeeming leads to a revelation of restoration. What should be that isn't? It's visionary. So to restore a community or restore a family is what should be, but isn't. 
And the steps to do that is redeeming the things that are valuable and putting them in its proper place and use. We believe that the core values that you all have, everyone that's listening has them, when made distinct, when defined, when anchored in something true, when even maybe detailed in a picture or a story, can be used to be a redemptive piece of the journey to restoration. And that's how those words play about. So the restored leader is really about a visionary place of which we think all generations of leaders should act and become further re- rest- restored. Mm-hmm. And they need help that way. And they need mentors. They need coaches. They need healthy communities, homes, and workplaces. Um, and I just want to make a note of this too, is, is that I, we really focus on leaders at the workplace. Again, we, we, we serve a lot of venture leaders and founders. Um, and as well as executives in big organizations. But inevitably, areas of other parts of their life come into play and how they lead really gets informed through work, through home, and through community. That, that model in itself never changes. People are, are drawing or not drawing redemptive opportunities in all of them from how they see leadership. I love that. Yes. I also, the thing that comes to mind is this opportunity for your vision, your core value to guide you in your decision-making. It's like an asset that you can use That's in right. decision-making. How do you see that play out with your clients? It is, that's a great word because an asset is something that grows in value. Mm-hmm. And the more and more you spend time with your core values, the more and more your ability to lead authentically increases. The more and more you compromise less, the more and more you lead your story, the one that you want to write, the more and more that your success tonic actually is authentic, right? And I think people are inspired by that. They're inspired by people who will decide to leave with convictions in their core. Um, So there is never enough of an opportunity to take and help a leader remove the distractions that prevent them from identifying with what is true, meaningful, uncompromisable. Out of all that, you can do any venture in any aspect of your life. But the disciplines of actually redeeming your core values are not like a session full, unfortunately. It's really about walking CEOs, founders, leaders through a rubric of them creating habits to do it. And that's what we do as coaches. We really help people uh, become aware. We help them match where they want to go with where they are now in the first next best step. And then to build habits around that because it becomes a flywheel. Uh, yeah. And that's, that's why your core values are so important. And might I say, they're more important because you came up with them. They were already in you. Mm. They just got redeemed. And that in itself is the most exciting part about what we do because we don't have a list of words to give them. Right. I know it's harder. Yeah. But that's why it's good. That's why it's good. Yes. That's why it's good. But like all yeah. good things, you know, the challenge and the journey makes it so much more worthwhile at the other end. Yeah. Right. I mean, <laughs> I know, I mean, most of, almost all my clients know that it's a long journey, yeah. but I do get oftentimes clients that, that say, so can we do this in a few days? And I, I, I have to just kind of beside myself patiently just say, you know, <laughs> you're talking about making major changes that you will accomplish but you have to understand time. Mm. You have to understand time. So here's, here's, here's another point I'll, I'll mention. Leaders that we work with, when we redeem their core, the next thing we move to is protecting them, protecting mm. your core. 
And what we do is redeem time. I think, Natalie, you've talked a lot about how people can gain time back. And this is the same thing. We redeem time actually by talking about the concept of rest Mm -hmm. and the fact that nobody has the same definition. What is the best definition and how do you work out of rest versus Mm -hmm. work into rest? Uh, And that concept itself is a redemptive way of looking at how I invest my time for rest and what is the gains of rest. Yes. Leaders have actually a lot more work to do here once they know what is true in their core. And I'll tell you, that is one of the most funnest parts of one of the most funnest ones. (laughs) (laughs) The most fun part of actually my English there. Oh, no, it's Uh, good. It is the funnest part. It's good. Probably the most funnest part of the journey. And it's also the most difficult because nobody wants to invest in rest. Right. Nobody wants to do it. Yeah. They realize they have to. Yeah. But that's not the first thing to actually get them to the next thing. So true. Uh, yeah, we get to that awareness of just how valuable it is after we've experienced the overwork and maybe even the burnout that precedes you know, the need to look at those habits and figure out what's actually going to allow us to have the resources to go after the things we really want. Uh, yeah, I feel like uh, I love what you say about rest in, the, in your book and, and how it's such an important discipline to protect your core values and, and, and experience yeah. success, right? This is something that I talk about a lot as well. Yeah, I wonder uh, where rest plays a role in success for people. That's a yeah. good coaching question as well. It is. How does rest play a role yeah. in your definition of success in your input to success? Uh, I think it's a good exploration. It is. It's a very powerful one. And it can totally shift everything when you start to think of it as not the reward for the hard work, but the precursor for the really powerful work. Powerful. It's so true. Even just today was working with somebody on how the shift from the reward is actually into experiencing it more frequently as part of the work. Yes. And that was a shift they made. That in fact, rest is part of the day and it looks like this because it makes me feel and think like this. And Mm -hmm. that is what they want because that's what gives them the energy to be more creative or to be more disciplined or to become the leader that their company needs. Mm -hmm. It's all about modeling it too. Uh, And so uh, I I just find this to be a a conversation that has no end and only gains. Yes. So I was wondering if you'd be willing to share how you personally came on this journey and how you uncovered your passion for driving the work that you do through core values. The, the backstory is, is um, I, I worked uh, and have enjoyed working uh, for big, a big pharmaceutical company for over 19 years. Mm-hmm. It was the only company I worked for. In 19 years, I probably had um, 12 roles around the world. And it was a fantastic experience. And this company, we had three core values that I was exposed to when I started, when I was very young. And then as I got older... I realized that those were less prevalent and it wasn't, wasn't because of other people. I just noticed that I wasn't as attached to them as I was in the beginning, which Mm -hmm. because they were used to really recruit people. If you share these values, then maybe this is a place for you to work. What I found over time was they weren't, they weren't as vibrant in me, but they weren't as vibrant in the leaders that I was working for. Right. 
And that was because that the distractions or the aims were less about embodying those values. They were more about other things that I think are important in the market, but not necessarily important to the employees or the, the clients that we served, the patients that we served. Mm -hmm. And so I had one of those last 10 years, I was like, how could this change? And so I worked in the system to change the system and realized that that was really, really difficult too, because the company had been around for over 200 years. And so what I started realizing about organizational change, what I mean about the organizations, what I've realized about values and particularly core values were if they're core and they are not embodied, then you, you really don't have boundaries to accelerate depth and accelerate the vision. You just, the mission, excuse me, you just don't. Mm -hmm. And so I thought the thesis of the, of the restored leader was what if leaders never compromise the core values, not only of the company, but of their own. And that we actually have models of that willing to sacrifice, but not sacrifice their core values. We were willing to sacrifice other things because to really, really be redemptive and to move to restoration, you have to creatively sacrifice because you can't sacrifice just for you. Your sacrifice has to be better for everyone or else it's really not that redemptive. It's just yeah. a personal redemptive story. It's not an organizational one. Yeah. What if we could help leaders find their way by being authentic and not compromise their core, but sacrifice some other things that aren't core in order for the companies to improve their culture, their top line, their bottom line, whatever it is, it requires that type of thinking. And that was the thesis behind The Restored Leader. In 2018, we were in Germany at the time. Uh, I had just recently left my company and I knew that this was on my heart, but really it took about two or three months to just start writing these things down. Uh, and then when the first client kind of came when you never expect it to, uh, you just got to practice and practice and build the approach and get it simple and simple. And we're still doing it. So it took us four years to put the guidebook out, uh, but we've been using it just in different versions. Um, so we're proud that we have this opportunity now to, um, to have, give access to, to everyone, to our best thinking. Oh. Yeah. So before we wrap up, I'm wondering if you would be willing to share your top piece of advice that you've received or that you give out uh, around what it means to achieve success. Wow. Yeah. You know, first of all, you know, we as coaches try not to. Try not to give advice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's a very dangerous proposition for us. Definitely. But in those moments where we need to mentor, mm -hmm. where we need to put the role of mentoring on, the, the idea about success is almost always the top of mind from intake to the end of conversation every time. What does success look like for today mm -hmm. in this conversation? What does success look like for your journey as, as a leader? And you get to, you get to define that. So- I like how you mentioned in just in the past that it must success must be delightful to have, but it also must be something doable. And that is, I think, the crux of real good coaching is to talk about what success is, because all too often the distractions of life take us away from what we're aiming to go do. So um, that's what I would say is start your day with what success looks like, end your day with what success has happened. And if you can't find it in that one day, then maybe you need to think a little bit about what's most meaningful mm -hmm. and who is most meaningful in your day and find success in that, those types of relationships. We always say core values live in relationships with yourself, with those you lead at community, at home, and in the workplace. So find those relationships where you need and must desire to have success 
define what that is and um, keep a ticker count of success. That's what I would say on a daily basis. Yes. That's the practice that I think changed everything for me. You know, going from running through your days and getting a lot of things done and then taking that time to reflect back and just finding those those milestones and identifying those little moments, even if they're just a short thing. Once I started doing that, it really changed my whole thinking around what I had poured myself into throughout the day and, you know, making sure that it was really aligned with what is deeply meaningful to me. I appreciate, Natalie, how, you know, even your podcast, you, you've just shared a lot of personal stories about how you've changed and the things that work for you. And I think coaches all get coached. Like you've mentioned before, we all have coaches yes. <laughs> and, and, and we, because we believe in it. And it's, it's also important sometimes to have that vulnerability with our clients because sometimes mm-hmm. we have this thing where we can't be that vulnerable because they're hiring us to help them in their vulnerabilities. Uh, but I find that that's also a success that your vulnerability is a success that actually will help you help others. So thank you for always for modeling that actually in your podcast. Oh, I really appreciate you saying that, Darren. And um, it's definitely a stretch, you know, not something that was comfortable, um, is not always comfortable to do, but I believe in it deeply because I think that this is where, how we connect and this is how we really help each other and uplift one another. Keep going, right? <laughs> Thank you so much, Darren, for coming on the podcast today and talking about the power of these influences in our lives, sometimes invisible to us, you know, when we're not paying attention to them, but just how powerful it is when we do bring attention to the the values that drive our life and how that makes an impact, not just on ourselves, but on the people that we lead and all our relationships. So thank you for sharing that with us. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Ah, such a joy. Can you tell listeners where they can find you online and find out more about you? Yeah. Well, uh, you can visit us at restoredleader.com. You can find out how to connect with us there through our calendar link. Our, our guidebook, uh, Restored Leadership, is uh, on there under the resources page. Um, but our site is really a place for curious minds about what is the potential of being a restored leader look like. And you can learn about our process and our approach. Yes, I would strongly encourage you to go and do that and to download the guide because it's got so much goodness in it. So thank you for sharing that with us. Thanks so much, Natalie. Good to be with you. So I'm wondering, how would you like to reclaim up to two hours a day? It actually only takes five minutes a week to change the results that you're getting. Pretty soon you could be saving around 50 hours a month. Head over to storytonic.co backslash reclaim to discover how to leverage your time and give yourself the best chance at success. 